Hello, welcome adventurers to the fifth episode of The Travel Log, a podcast in which I, Stephen Hoffert, my pronouns are he, him, and Lily Lavin, she, her, will be diving into the world of Faerun from the Dungeons and Dragons tabletop role-playing game. We will go area by area, town by town, to provide a background of canonical lore as well as suggestions on what type of encounters you could run there and what type of characters you could create whose backgrounds are based there. We're continuing east from Holandeth and we'll cover the whole of the Shining Plains on today's episode. Lily, have you ever seen a cougar in the wild? Oh, I've seen a bunch of cougars. What's uh, the most memorable sighting? Probably two. I mean, I grew up on a mountain in British Columbia, so we had a bunch of them. Mm. Um, one time, school ended, but we weren't allowed to leave because there was a cougar outside, so we were all standing at the window of the classroom next to the parking lot, and it was uh, jumping on top of the cars. That was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, we had to stay there for like two and a half hours while animal control showed up and tried to corral this cougar. Right. Yeah, we would have, in my elementary school, uh, I lived on Nanaimo on the Vancouver Island, and it was surrounded by farms and we would have cougar and bear warnings too yeah the same exact thing happened with a bear once (laughs) and we were all sitting in front of the windows looking at the bear in the uh parking lot and the bear was like looking in cars and mostly just walking around i've had a lot more bear encounters than cougar encounters i've had so many bear encounters there was another one where i grew up in forest grove which is exactly what it sounds like a small clearing in the middle of the forest there was one road that went in and out (laughs) and so we were in the middle of the forest on this little fort we built i mean it was more like a flat plank in a tree like there was no walls or anything it was just floor and we were up there you know messing around as kids and the cops came by and were like um don't leave where you are and we'll stay here and watch because right. there's a cougar that was spotted like in the exact trails we were hanging out in and we were freaking out we were like what and yeah we watched them chase down this cougar through the woods and catch it and tranquilize it and take it away that was wow. yeah that was super cool it was super scary it was just like yeah it was like what the fuck it's insane to live in north america which doesn't seem like a very wild place like you do see some animals but not a lot but to know that there's these giant wild cats right outside right there on a thin border yeah it just depends where you mm-hmm. live like i said it was uh those were the memorable encounters but like i don't know at least a couple times a year living in uh where i lived on burnaby mountain at least a couple times a year there were the warnings that were like don't really go outside (laughs) yeah i bring this up because the shining plains is a lot of wild the shining plains are more of a geographic commonality than a consolidation of city-states named for the shimmering effect that they have when struck by rays of the sun these plains have been described as the largest area of no man's land within the reach if it belongs to anyone it is probably owned by the wildlife that resides within it so you said the sword coast uh was more of a wild or untamed place and that's why 5e is kind of more or sit there it's a, it's not as old but shining plains kind of has that untamed feeling as we get closer to the sword coast yeah it's true the sword coast is just huge mm-hmm. also in the lore the sword coast is like the cities there are just new within the lore mm-hmm. it's just you know the new world which gives it that feel as opposed to like straight up wild as in animals it's wild as in like barbarians and stuff right but this has a kind of feeling of like maybe it hasn't been touched as between the two worlds the old world and the new world yeah the tempa tribe of Wemix is probably the largest and most organized entity on the plains they are peaceful people for the most part and freely share their home with the humans, Thrykeen, and centaurs. So Wemix, if you're unaware, Wemix are lion centaurs. But Pretty cool. In, you would think, okay, lion centaurs. So lion, uh, lion like bottom with the four legs and then human top. No, it's lion bottom and then human torso with rippling abs and then lion head as well. Yeah, these things are hilarious looking. Also, just the, <laughs> yeah. the size of a lion is different than a horse. So right. like seeing the human body come out of where the lion neck is supposed to be is just really funny it's very funny yeah they're like okay we can have lion perfect do you want them to stand on two legs no no, no. they gotta be like centaurs okay so human top no <laughs> like sort of human top <laughs> ripley muscle human top and i bet you i haven't seen the early 2e female wimix but i'm sure they have very unrealistic amount of boobs probably yeah it is they're very funny it is funny it is interesting but this is a race i did not know existed in dnd yeah they're pretty funny looking i find all centaurs type things hilarious looking now yeah but and like i like there's um leonin in magic the gathering and leonin are ripley muscle humans but then they're like they're like lion tabaxi lion heads and that makes sense yeah they're like lion tabaxi they're in 5e like they're a playable race yeah leonin yeah yeah so yeah leonin probably live here too though leonin i think are more in 5e right now based in the magic the gathering worlds than in Faerun, but maybe they are there too and yeah we mix are generally good or neutral aligned and mostly nomadic 
Wildlife abounds within the Shining Plains, and its horses are renowned throughout the reach for their speed and endurance. Owning a plains steed is a mark of some importance even outside of the reach. Herd of wild animals also abound, such as bison, elk, mammoths, and others. I like that. It's like, uh, and, and there's a mammoth there. Yeah, yeah, I love that. It's not even like necessarily north. No, that's it. It's not very north. It's actually supposed to be quite hot. There's lore later on that's talking about how hot it is here. So those are some sweaty mammoths. Uh, predators are also prevalent on the plains, keeping the population of the more passive animals down by calling the weak from the herds. Hunting is a popular sport on the plains, and the cities of Ormath, Lachiel, and Assam attract hunters in great numbers during the official hunting seasons, which are regulated by the Druidic faiths and enforced by the Emerald Enclave. Those people caught hunting outside the allowed seasons frequently find themselves being hunted by both the Druids and various non-human tribes of the area. The hunting season is primarily limited to the late summer and fall months, depending upon the severity of winter. Sometimes special seasons for a particular herd animal are designated in the spring. These practices ensure that no animal group grows so large as to threaten the welfare of others. So this is like the perfect canvas for Emerald Enclave to do its perfect balance thing, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's so funny. It's like, what was the original statement? It's like the Shining Plains is uh, not very, it's the most untamed part of the reach. It's a no man's land. Wildlife abounds. Also, there's strict hunting laws <laughs> there's strict hunting laws the emerald enclave makes sure that every creature here is like you know given its fair shake it's like okay but that's something i find interesting in that paragraph is it says if there was a harsh winter they would make a special season in the spring for those so isn't that isn't the harsh winter part of nature thus if the one group of animals fail after that winter that's nature isn't that something that the emerald enclave should be like yeah we're good we're good with that like it feels like they're tipping the scales in interesting ways if if this is to do with humans or society right human hunting the thing is is that human hunting right right if you're talking about tipping the scales not really because if the emerald enclave weren't the ones that put these restrictions on hunting after a harsh winter the humans would go out hunting in spring yeah right and then put that's true and then like maybe decimate the population so they're working with the people i think this is interesting kind of place like i've never played with a hunter character but like it sounds like a type of character someone would want to make or a type of archetype out there yeah like a ranger so this is an interesting place to get like a real like ranger in nature in the elements session or arc. Yeah, I just find the idea of regulated hunting in a place described as a no man's <laughs> land hilarious. It's like um, the safari zone in Pokemon. Yeah. The Shining Plains officially end north, near the city of Nothlik, and the south, outside the city of Shirk. When you can see the spine of the serpent, meaning the spines of Shirk mountain range, then you have crossed into a new land is a popular saying for travelers. That's a bad saying. I feel like when you see this uh, spines of the serpent then you've crossed into a new land is a poor man's version of look Simba. Everything the light touches is our kingdom. <laughs> yeah. Where's the spines of the serpent? They are... Yeah, so it doesn't show it on this big mountain here, but they're near the deep wing mountains. Uh, makes sense. Yeah, it's totally... Even with like the lion people, I forget what they're called already. The Weemix. A hilarious name, by the way. Weemix? I know, I don't... Weemix? <laughs> Why would anyone think that has anything to do with lions? I mean, I guess centaur doesn't really sound horses we've we've just grown up with it but yeah especially with the fact that it's run by like lion folk a very simba everything the light touches Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's very lion king here once you go past the serpent spine to the serpent it becomes the snake land land. Uh, actually lizards um the shining plains is not ruled by (laughs) any one force though the emerald enclave does watch over the large number of animals that call the shining plains home the cities are independent but band together in times of need those that live within the cities have learned that it's better to have a symbolic symbiotic symbiotic relationship with the surrounding land than to fight the various herds of sentient creatures such as Weemix, Centaurs, and Thryking. Each year during Tarska, the leader of the three free cities of the Shining Plains, the leaders of the three free cities of the Shining Plains, meet at the Hill of Memories. This hill is the site of a battle with the Weemix, the Field of Tears of 3260R, and each city meets here to show respect for those who died and to make sure that their folly is never again repeated. The Weemix, Centaurs, and Thryking also send a delegate to the hill, as does the Emerald Enclave. Once everyone was gathered, the leaders discuss any problems that have developed over the past winter. For example, if a particular monster is ravaging countryside, they make plans to deal with it themselves or hire a band of adventurers. I'm going to say real quick, Thrykeen are a mantis-like people who are also nomadic, mostly chaotic neutral. They're in the monster manual. They're not a playable race uh, 
Yeah, they've addition. got four hands. Yeah, four hands. Are they not? Yeah, are they not playable? No, I couldn't find anything for the Thrike. Like, I'm sure someone's written it up at some point. But yeah, they are seen as... Bug people. Yeah, bug people. They're seen as thinking differently than humans do. So it makes it a bit hard. I think it's a bit of a bridge too far, maybe, asking someone to play that. Eh, there's a lot of races, I feel, that are like that. True. True. You know, they've always got a weird quirk. And I understand that, like, tabaxi being fickle about their interests, you know, and picking up a new hobby and dropping it in the span of five minutes is somewhat relatable, but that's still not very human-like. That's true. Yeah, and like, we've talked about the thrill bugs before, that it's, um, they're under- not understanding property is a lot harder than it seems just written in. Oh, there's, like, that one race of halflings that, uh, well, halfling-adjacent people that were in older editions that everyone's like, don't put into this edition, because they don't have a concept of ownership, so they just end up stealing everything and derailing everything yeah exactly (laughs) i find this to be a very funny place like the intersection of lion folk and bug people like the three green feels so out of place here the three king the we mix everyone who is here and present here there's two commonalities i found they're nomadic and they have a strongest will survive neutral outlook so it seems like it's a very like the strongest will survive kind of governance and ideal system yeah i mean in terms of their ideals and their like way of life sure but it's just bug people <laughs> on a savanna that's not why that's there's bugs there's bugs in the savanna yeah, but you what do twon and pumba yeah, eat you, well they eat the bugs you don't think of um, <laughs> like anthropomorphic bugs though when you think of those you think of like caves or swamps or right, right. mountains or the underdark walking through a plane you know i expect to see wolves and animals and stuff but not a four-armed <laughs> bipedal bug walking up to me right that's true it's very weird like aesthetic wise this intersection i find we'll bring this up later but i think it would be a fun thing to bring in your party here at the time of this meeting on the hills of memories because you would see you would see the we mix the thrykeen and everyone together and it says they talk yeah, about a monster ravaging so there there's a, a quest coming up but to see this weird intersection all in one place would be very it feels very uh, indigenous or viking Almost, you know, where it's like a handful of tribes or with this place, it's cities, you know, and then the nomadic people and they all kind of do their own thing, but also kind of work together and they don't want to call themselves a country because they like being their own thing, but they kind of are also a country because they still create rules and regulation for the wider area. Yeah. They're like, we're not a country, but there are rules that we all follow as if we were. Yeah. And if someone attacks the area that we consider a country, we'll all band together. Mm-hmm. It's it's like a loose connection, which I think, honestly, might be a good way to do things. It's a lot like tribe leaders, Jarls, you know? Yeah, exactly. With great amount of attention that the people of the Shining Plains direct towards wildlife, it is not unusual that hunting is an important part of their lives. From an early age, the young of various communities are taught a respect for life. With this respect comes instruction on what creatures to hunt and and what creatures not to hunt. This culture also created a tradition of keeping pets, especially dogs and wolves. Such animals are normally quite well-trained and very protective of their masters. It is not uncommon for a plainsman to have a number of animals in his company, especially dogs for tracking. Homes of the Shining Plains are built without baths. Instead, communal bathhouses are built in every city, normally over a hot spring, if one could be found. Bathing with your peers is an important social activity, and those who refuse or build a private bath are looked upon with suspicion. <laughs> I like a good public bath. I don't know if you've ever been in a country where that's more the norm. I quite enjoy them. No, I haven't. I, I like them in like there's a Witcher quest involving a public bath and stuff. I like the idea of them. I like the idea that it adds another. Um, mm-hmm. There was a public bath in a place you just were, the hot springs of Esmeltaren. Y'all didn't end up going there, but it just adds another place, like hub for social activity rather than the same old, same old of we go to the tavern, we go to the inn, we go to the fest hall, we go to the dock. You know, it just adds another one that's a bit less common because it's probably just less common because we're North American, but it just adds another place where it's like, oh, cool. This time all the main information gathering happens at a bathhouse. That's cool. That's unusual. Also, it adds a new Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. layer of kind of tension because while in the bathhouse, of course, you're naked. Yeah, you have no weapons. You have (laughs) no way really protect yourself. Maybe spellcasters. But if they don't have their spellcasting focus, like, yeah. Uh, They can still do spells, but they're limited. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think it would be really interesting to have this maybe like a meeting with someone that you are against or you know on rocky terms with at a bathhouse and you know you can't start a fight here and so you just kind of have this like tense conversation but you're yeah. no one's gonna be fighting it's just there's a fight in the witcher that takes place in a bathhouse during a meeting of 
crime bosses and you're there and the place gets ambushed and you have to fight mm-hmm. while just wearing a towel around your waist it's so fucking funny <laughs> that sounds very witcher <laughs> you get attacked by i think like a bunch of dwarves <laughs> nice <laughs> it's it's very funny and the whole time it's like the physics of the towel make no sense right. you're doing like straight up like cartwheels and flips and shit <laughs> while killing all these people and your towel that's just held on by a little fold just stays there stays perfectly <laughs> of course very obedient little towel yeah no i think that'd be fun this kind of public bass i like it hot springs i usually think of like in a cold area <laughs> but we've just heard how much volcanoes there are in Turkish. Yeah. so there's obviously volcanic activity going on in this area this- I also, this is the perfect background locale for a Beastmaster. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I think it would add an interesting Beastmaster rather than being like, you know, I grew up with a dog or like my father taught me to hunt or I'm from a little village. Instead, like you're going around the world and like your layer of social ineptitude is the fact that not everyone else is like animals. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're like, doesn't everyone just have 10 pets? What's going on here? How come there's no, how come that person over there in fucking Waterdeep doesn't have like 30 dogs? Why are you all calling me the yeah. weird one? Yeah, I think too like being nomadic in nature lends itself to a not dramatic or not tragic backstory become an adventure you're just being a nomad in a larger area away from your homeland more so than like yeah i mean also another thing that could be it is that maybe they did this meeting on the hill and there's a threat that's been identified and the threat's not going to come for a while you know the sleeping under the mountain threat or whatever but as it stands now you have no way to counter it and so you have volunteered to go out in the world and find a way to counter it mm-hmm. and so your whole adventure thing is gathering all the information you possibly can on the rabbit folk right. coming to yeah. kill the shining plains whatever it is maybe there's just like an invasive yeah. species of plant that no one there knows how to deal with and so you've been sent out to figure it out also too there is some number of dragons in the big mountain range right next to it so yeah <laughs> yeah the residents of the shining plains recognize two important festivals during the year these are the festivals of the hunt uh, honoring person ascension to adulthood and the sun festival honoring those outside the city for important contributions i would never have seen the festival of the hunt coming <laughs> they have they have a theme wow during each summer just before the start of normal hunting season young adults are taken on the festival of the hunt this is a time for them to prove for their peers that they are adults by demonstrating their proficiency with a bow and their skills in tracking the goal is to hunt down a specific herd animal chosen by random lot before the hunt begins and kill it with a single arrow once the animal has been felled the hunter must also perform the skinning and cleaning it is a goal of most plainsmen to waste as little of the animal as possible of course killing an animal even a herd of animals is difficult with one shot sometimes the animal is mortally wounded but still runs away into the plains this is another chance for the student to test their tracking skills memento of the beast is kept by the initiate this might be anything from a tooth to a piece of an amulet the memento is then normally worn on a necklace or anklet by the successful hunter evening following the hunt is known as the night of feasting successful hunters return their bounties to the city and enjoy a night of dancing and eating even those who are not successful in the hunt attend i wonder what their gender dichotomy is here like is it just for young men or is it for everyone i wonder it doesn't specify the the festival of hunt is for everyone one thing I like about this, or one thing I always find hilarious about like coming of age festivals is I know D&D pretty strictly adheres to the fantasy trope of, you know, the funky races are in decline. Right. Not that the elves and the dwarves are dying out or leaving like in Tolkien or the Witcher, you know, humans are a pest, like a termite, and they reproduce so fast that there's just not enough land for the elves and stuff anymore because so many cities have their history and built on top of an old elven settlement. Yeah. But either way, I always find it really funny. So because of that, I know that all of this is probably 90% referring to humans. But I still find festivals like this funny for the odd elves that do join. Mm -hmm. It's like the coming of age ceremony. Two people walk up and it's like, oh, you're coming of age, huh? How old are you? And the one guy's like, I'm 18. And this is uh, my birthday was a week ago. And I'm ready to go kill an elk. What about you? And he goes, "Uh, yes, I am 99 and a half years old. I am a full century old. (laughs) And this is my coming of age. And we're doing 
doing the same thing. I just find that hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's there's the city that elves come out in droves from, so th- there's probably elves around here. And another thing I find hilarious about this is the fact that the animal is picked at random. It's like one year, one year you get yeah, rabbit, the next year someone gets like lion, and it's just like, well, Jesus Christ, <laughs> I, this our coming of age festivals. There's something different. One one is definitely not like the other. Exactly, one's very hard. Like it does say herd animals, so that's different than a, a lion is a pride animal. Okay, but there's but still a big difference. It's still a big between difference. Yeah. An, an elk and a mammoth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> kill the mammoth with one arrow. Oh, cool, Dad. Thanks. What did you have to Thanks. kill? I had to kill a, a deer. Yeah, deer. <laughs> same same ritual. I like that. Uh, I do like wearing a necklace or an anklet or whatever, um, a tooth or memento. I think that's a fun little thing you can have as like a visual character trinket. Exactly. Yeah, a little character trinket. Defining feature. DM steals it. You get really depressed and go look for it. Exactly. Yeah. Or just kind of show that you're from this area. Yeah. The next festival is the Sun Festival. From time to time, an outsider makes an important contribution to the people of the Shining Plains. Such contributions range anywhere from a single person hunting down a dangerous predator, such as any of the many saber-toothed cats in the area, or an entire venturing company hunting down a dangerous monster. The Plains folk strongly believe in honoring heroes among them. The Sun Festival is held during the last day of Elasius, known as the High Song among the Shining Plains. The heroes of the Plains are made members of the community during a night of feasting and dancing. Each honoree cuts their hand, laying the blood spill onto the ground. Typically, a plains person wraps their hand with bandages, and the hero spends the rest of the evening shaking hands <laughs> with their good hand, of course. So this is just for you to have a fun party for your PCs. Yeah. It's just like, oh, thank you, Venturi Party. We're so grateful you did something. Yeah, come have a party with us. Here, cut your hand open. They, yeah, they are shown as being open to outside help and honoring it, not as like, don't welcome outsiders. Moving on to the cities. The first city we're going to cover is Ormath. Of the three cities of the Shining Plains, Ormath is the one most likely to go to war over the slightest insult. Trapped between the thriving trade centers of Holandeth to the west and Lechiel to the east, the economic heartbeat of Ormath is paced only by the traveling along the pikeman's folly. Ormath on the warpath is a phrase frequently used to describe the city-state. That's a great phrase. Yeah, I mean, I like it a lot. It's fantastic, right? Format on the warpath. <laughs> on its distant past, it is sought to conquer the gem of Villon, Hollandeth. Now it seems content to snare what, what mercantile traffic it can. Ormath does have the resources of its own, however, and the city is known for the bison herds that surround it. Many of the city make a living by producing salted bison meat for the hungry travelers. Ormath is ruled by Lord Quain, a mountain of a man who is the true warrior heart. He frequently leads patrols outside the walled city keeping the roads to both east and west as clear bandits as possible. Lord Queen is concerned about the reports he's heard of the wet woods uh, concerning lizard men. He has sent a few squads to the wet woods, but none have returned. Ormath hosted a temple of Sylvanus. The one in Ormath is considered large. The church provides free advice with regards of prevention of disease, as well as magical aid in keeping water supplies and sewers clean. There's also a temple called the Tower of Skulls. Sick. Yep, to Kelimvor, an abbey built as a ziggurat whose walls are carved with stones facing in the shape of human skulls. What's a ziggurat again? A ziggurat is like a pyramid, but it doesn't have a point. It's like kind of angled forward and then Mm. flat and then angled forward and flat. Right. Its spiral ways are roamed by mysterious guardian creatures that resemble will-o'-wisps. The resident clergy, commanded by High Lord Doom Berserkraven Indraya, (laughs) can muster a capable army of battle-hardened clerics wielding magical items to defend the abbey. Vast cellars reaching down to an underground river for water into caverns in which edible fungi are grown under the tower. The priests make potent amber wine and various perfumes, unguents, and potions for sale from the fungi they raise i love that <laughs> so ormath they have this real metal this this real cool temple in it and it's like okay ormath. yeah i love that yeah the temple's great i love how it's called the temple of skulls also i really like kelimvor as a god yeah kelimvor is cool lawful neutral god of death and i've always just thought of the type of person or the type of clergy he would have we worship death we're not evil or anything like i understand when it's like cultists worshiping mm-hmm. bane you know the evil god of death and stuff but like when someone's like yeah you know i'm, I'm not a normal person 
I just uh, live in the Tower of Skulls and worship death. But otherwise, you know, cool. You want to go for a drink? Well, that's it too. It's like with them celebrating death in kind of a more neutral aspect, it's like death is a part of life. Death is the natural conclusion of life more so than bring death upon everyone. So I feel like there must be a real... It would be... I feel like the people in your life who collect roadkill and bones would be part of the Temple of Kelimor. Yeah, but they're like, they're like, no, it's not evil. Kelimor is a natural part of life. Death is a natural part of life. Nothing evil about it. Also, my name is High Lord Doom, and I live in the Tower of Skulls. It's <laughs> normal. Yeah, it's I like, like it's like a photo of people at brunch, right? And everyone just looks like normal brunch goers. And then there's the one the one guy sitting there yeah. who looks like he's uh, in Kiss cosplay, you know? <laughs> yeah, <it's> like, <laughs> kind of like the white face and the black makeup fangs. I just think it's neat. <laughs> one of these is not like the other yeah i do love that they make a nice uh they make a bunch of stuff with the fungus though like fungus is a very good plant of something that loves that yeah i love fungi in 5e there's literally fungi that are you can make houses out of like their stem is like it's hard enough to make like full-on structures out of it and i just i love that right really hard yeah that's so cool yeah this is a cool place so i think feel like ormath is pretty middle of the road like it's a stop off point on the road but this tower of skulls i think is its shiny achievement i've also got i've got a little list here of the real life allegories to the locations in Faron, okay which i think is to be taken with a grain of salt because they are not one for one obviously right and treating them as such i think opens mm-hmm. up a lot of windows for possible problematicisms i mostly use this list personally for describing terrain yeah like we're in om right now and so i found out you know om is supposed to be like renaissance spain slash a little bit of southern france so i've just looked up a bunch of photos of right Spain and southern France and that's how I described the area like the natural terrain and the weather and stuff and the animal life too it's great for that but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. another thing it's really good for is Lord Quen is it supposed to be Lord Schwen this is the other thing is that um because if this is keeping on with because Termish is a uh, Persian Termish is Persian. Yeah. yeah. And so I would imagine it'd be Quen if it was going with that. Yeah. But if it if we're moving more into like Chinese and stuff, then it would be Xuan. Next city is Assam. This city is northmost of the Shining Plains, serving as a stopover point for those traveling to Gulfmere or even boning south along the Wet River. For those leaving the Shining Plains, it is the last vestige of civilization before Nethleth or communities farther north. Assam is a home of merchants and traders. Many caravans use Assam as a resting place before moving further into the reach. A common sight that greets visitors is that of caravans, wagons, and herds of animals circling Assam like a waiting army. The government of Assam is a conglomerate of representatives from Lashiel and Ormath. It is a city under joint rule by the two larger cities to the south. This arrangement exists to benefit both cities. Assam was founded as a partnership to prevent another bloody war from erupting between the two cities. Governmental uh, interference is unheard of between the merchants and the town. Travelers sometimes feel like the merchants coming through Assam are actually in charge of the city, as they are given virtually free run of this place. This freedom is one of the biggest reasons for Assam's popularity among merchants. That is not to say that Assam is lawless, quite the contrary. A very strong militia presence keeps fights and other violence to a bare minimum. The judicial system, a trio of judges appointed from Lachelle or Ormath, provide quick decisions should any major disputes erupt. The current mayor of Assam is a man appointed to the position with, of course, the blessing of both Lachelle and Ormath. Halar Tempest is a master politician, and he keeps things running smoothly to avoid any problems between Assam and the two other cities. So this place... I think serves an interesting fulcrum point for maybe some intrigue in the Shining Plains. Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be cool to make, if you were going to do any kind of political intrigue, have it take place in a Sam. Maybe they want to secede yeah. or something. What I find really funny about this is it's like, oh, every year, the three main cities, there's three main cities. Every year, the three main cities get together and talk with the Emerald Enclave. You mean two main cities? Yeah. Assam is a, isn't a city. It's... No, it's like a stopover point, and then it's, yeah, kind of like a symbolic gesture. 
it's controlled by the other two cities. It's like... <laughs> oh, yeah, the three main cities. I mean, one of them is actually just like a weird city-state controlled by the other two, but it's still one of... <laughs> I just find that really funny. With Ormath on the warpath, and maybe Ormath is starting... The new ruler of Ormath is getting antsy and wants to go on the warpath again, wants to expand their territory. And the merchants who love Assam, who use it often, put together the money to get your party together to, like, find evidence or some way to stop them like you know they're they're hiring people to come and try to make this war not happen because they know if ormath and lachelle go to war that assam is going to not be what it was i think that'd be cool yeah i think it's not the best place it'd be an interesting place i guess to grow up but it sounds like less of a city to grow up in and more of a city to have a side quest in. yeah i mean it could be an interesting place to grow up into just if you want your character to have a quirk where they think merchants are like gods right <laughs> just outside of assam is the wet woods labeled as the flood of forest on the 5e map wait which place the wet woods it's right outside of assam but on the sword coast map the big map it is uh, labeled as the flooded forest hmm. um, but the flooded forest is actually a name of somewhere different don't go with that name <laughs> This vast area is both swamp and bog. Swamp covers about two-thirds of the southern reaches of the area, while the wet river feeds the forest. It is an area frequently covered in thick fog, and the limbs of the trees are covered with sheets of fungus blocking the view. Over the years, a community of Gripoli have gathered to create the city of Urmul at the far eastern edge of the wet woods. This village of 200 omnivores tries to keep itself out of the affairs of other humanoids as much as possible. Urmul is led by a tribe mother Ulysseus, an elderly Gripoli, nearly 400 winters old. She is fearful of humanoid excursions into the wet woods since she believes that humans will want to expand their territory to include her small village. And so Gripoli are grung fro- frog folk. I don't know I don't know why there's so many types of frog folk and why they're so separated. Like it seems D&D has been pretty good at consolidating everything into one purview, but I feel like frog folk are split up a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of different types of frogs. True, but there's a lot of different types of lizards but they still call them all lizard folk yeah, i mean it depends where they come from i suppose yeah also i'm sure if we look further into the lore there's a bunch of different types of lizard folk there's also mention in our first episode it was said that the lizard folk of morningstar hollow that used to be in morningstar hollow a lot of them relocated to these wet woods so there's probably lizard folk here too yeah that makes sense yeah so uh, a boggy swampy area with reptilians i think if someone wants to pray at gripoli i don't know there probably is a player race out there of gripoli perfect place to come from just play play grung i like frog folk i've always liked frog folk i like them more than lizard folk i think lizard folk are dumb but i like frog folk yeah no i like frog folk too they're really cute like especially these little like tree frogs i found out that apparently grung and gripply are the same are used interchangeably yeah Yeah, makes sense and then there's bullywugs but we don't talk about (laughs) bullywugs yeah so it sounds like a pretty yeah it's a cute little place um go fight some lizard folks if you want that could be a monster threat that the uh, one of the cities is hiring you for yeah that could be cool Leshiel, this easternmost city of the Shining Plains, is home to most of the Plains steeds. While Ormath and Assam both train and raise horses in their cities, two together cannot compare to the sheer numbers produced in Leshiel. That's Rohan. Yep, they are the undisputed equestrian capital of the Reach. Likewise, Leshiel's military is comprised primarily of cavalry. This tendency has a drawback from time to time when the city's cavalry was unhorsed and forced to fight hand-to-hand. Such combat is rare in the open plains. However, the forces of Leshiel can justifiably pride themselves in their riding skills. Lashiel is currently ruled by Chief Intawanata, Intawanata, son of a long-standing line of chiefs in the city. While his rule is not as competent as his predecessors, he has proven himself a capable diplomat on a few occasions he has actually left the city. <laughs> he normally makes the trip to the Hill of Memories each year to represent his city. Wow. Lashiel conducts quite a bit of trade with both the Reach and the cities of Ratavan and Sarudust in the east. This trade consists primarily of horses, but uh, the city also has some outlying farms to grow wheat and rice. So this is a great place to cavalry fighter. Yeah, I think that'd be cool. I said Rohan, but hearing the names and the fact that it's like planes and stuff, yeah. I'd probably more go Dothraki from Game of Thrones, but a little bit less barbarian. Right. Yeah, I was not knowing Game of Thrones. Think about like Middle Eastern Mongolian. Think of Middle Eastern Mongolian barbarians on horses. That's Dothraki. Yeah, so not Kazakhstan but like the, the the ancient people of Kazakhstan, the ones who killed um, Cyrus the Great. I have no idea. 
But yeah. I would just watch a movie about them. It's quite, quite fun. Considering the naming conventions and how this place sounds, I would probably go light cavalry rather than Rohan, where they're like the heavy, heavy right. cavalry. Yeah, yeah. Light cavalry, probably great horse archers, I'd think. Yeah. Which, yeah, like, yeah. oh, I was thinking recently, I think it was while researching this again of like the archer paladin. And yeah, that would be just so good, like, you know, on horseback and being an archer paladin from this place yeah that'd be pretty cool you can't divine smite with an archery though i know you can't but i feel like maybe if you have javelins as you're like you smite with your javelins and then you can't smite at range oh that's dang it boo <laughs> still cool though it seems like a pretty there's not too much lore about this city but they they like their horses and the horses do actually back in 2e when this is written the plain steeds had special stats that's cool uh that were beyond a normal horse stat so i'm just gonna say that's very dothraki yeah it's a good spot i think it'd be a cool spot to have as i said a cavalry fighter or someone who is maybe like a ranger on horseback fighter on horseback mounted mounted paladin would be pretty cool though like you know the scene in return of the king when the Rohan cavalry slam head-on into the orc army, and they just, like, decimate the front lines. Yeah. Imagine that, but all the sword and lance swings are divine smites. Yeah, that'd be so good. They just completely wrecked the first line of infantry. It'd be quite cool. Okay, next up is the Russian hills. The hills southeastern of the city of Lachelle are more than just natural outcroppings of rock that thwart planting efforts. This area is home of the Karak tribe of the Thryking. Their territory stretches from the hills southwest into the plains outside of the city of Shrek. The mantis warriors normally hunt rabbits, plain steeds, and other herd animals that strain to their domain. About 10 years ago, the residents of Lachael decided to try drive the Thrykeen from the hills by making sure no animal ever wandered to the Thrushing Hills. This tact only drove the Thrykeen further north, attacking travelers along the road. This incident has established a semi-official policy of driving some animals into the hills to make sure that the mantis warriors do not scare off any merchants that would plan to do business in Lachael. There's only about 50 tri- Keen in the hills. They roam from place to place, never establishing a permanent home. The Thrykeen seem like they'd be the favorite people of the Emerald Enclave. They are said to have a strongest will survive ideology. You have to hunt honorably and you don't overhunt. They are intelligent, but apparently they're bad at socializing with um, other races because they think more of a hive mind and more of like an insectoid mind than human. Yeah, they're bug. My favorite part about this is that they're like, oh no, the Thrykeen are fucking everything up. This is an issue. We need to do something. There's 50 of them. I was expecting it to be like a large band of there's 50 of them seriously 50. these 50 bugs are giving you this much trouble i think they're cr3 though those are some pretty beefy bugs i mean yeah but they're they, how much hunting can 50 bugs really be doing yeah i know <laughs> the thriking i like the idea though of like sending plain seeds or other herds animal i could see the farmers or the people there be like oh yeah this this one's getting old send them over to thriking <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, the dog got sent to the farm whole new meaning yeah said to the thrykeen they seem to be happy to just keep on their own terms though it doesn't seem like they want anything more than just to, to survive so i don't think that would ever kind of come up as like mounting threat but eh, it could decide to do anything it could maybe they something's driving them mad or maybe that fungus came out yeah, if you want people to fight bug people this is the perfect spot maybe they start hunting maybe they start hunting more this weird like unofficial agreement they have here maybe the thrykeen start pushing it coming closer and closer to the city and i don't know maybe they have a new ruler who's driving them insane maybe uh yeah fungus you know like the one that like you said the one that uh drives ants like turns ants into mushroom zombies maybe that has started infecting them i don't know yeah yeah it could be a cool spot is there any like evil aligned or like or demon with the aspect of a bug there's tons tons of evil bug maybe Um, maybe a cult of that showed up Next up is the Deep Wheat Mountains. These jagged peaks mark the boundary of the Shining Plains. Their tall spires shield the grasslands from the Vion Reach beyond. Like all mountains, these are home to fearsome beasts that prefer the seclusion of the ridges of stone provide. Fire drakes are known to live in the deep wings, roosted on the high outcroppings of rocks or small caves. They leave humankind alone for the most part, although they have been reported incidences of fire drakes attacking the Thry King of the Russian hills. The southwesternmost peak of the Deepwing Mountains, which overlooks the city of lizards, are known as the Spines of Shurik, because the Shurikites bury their dead amidst these mountains. The region is littered with shallow tombs. The Mwanyans 
clerics are somewhat lax about erecting wards around such crypts, so many of them have become home to the scaled undead creatures, particularly ghouls. At least three of the crypts in this area house the bodies of Olkithian Serac. Crypt looting is a crime in Serac, and anyone caught in such an enterprise is consumed alive. So... <laughs> So, you know, fire drakes here. Fun little place if you have someone drake obsessed in your party. Wait, Cirque is a city of lizards? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to hide it from you, but the, the cat's out of the bag. <laughs> yeah, because Semwanya is lizard folk deity. Yo, it is a city of lizards. <laughs> I think these mountains are sick yo (laughs) tombs littering mountains with fire drakes all over the place how cool is that with ghouls you could do such you you could do such cool quests here where you've got to like find like grave robbing quests oh my jam (laughs) i love my i love my grave robbing quests yeah oh yeah they're so good you can do so much shit with grave robbing quests yo that's so good yeah it's so cool Uh, fire drakes too it, it sounds like a fun get that feeling of fighting a dragon without the insane difficulty if you're traveling here for a mission and your last point of contact of like civilization is the thriking it would set up a really interesting kind of unease to what you're going to do yeah also like what a cool area to run a quest to just because of the type of fauna you're finding here like so the things you have to combat is ghouls small dragon dogs that breathe fire and lizard folk clerics (laughs) exactly like that's so cool what a weird mix of creatures that you have to fight here yeah it's a really exciting mix of creatures also i just love that the punishment to your crime is we're gonna eat you alive yeah (laughs) it's like okay um (laughs) yeah that has another thing to it if i'm sending here to grave rob you gotta like be real secretive about it no no witnesses no witnesses they will know yeah so i guess cat's out of the bag Finally, we're going to finish with a Wemix. The Tenpa tribe of Wemix is the most powerful force upon the plains. Some would claim that they're even more powerful than the Emerald Enclave. Others remember the Frosty during the Battle of the Field of Hears in 1326 DR, where the cities of Leshiel and Omrath battle for supremacy and fled before the Wemix. There are three tribes that live in the area, although Tenpa could easily be called a nation of Wemix. The Tenpa tribe contains 12,000 nomadic members traveling from place to place within the Shining Plains. The remaining two tribes only contain nearly 1,000 members each. Tenpa is led by King Grothgrawl. Fantastic name. <laughs> Grothgrawl. Also, four R's. I know. <laughs> They're like, so everybody knows. There needs to be two. Grothgrawl. He has eight chieftain assistants that aid him in running the tribe. In addition, an advisor to the Emerald Enclave also lives with a Wemic. Grothgrawl cares little for the humans so long as they do not invade his territory. He makes it a point not to request toll for the various trading caravans that head south and north through his domain, but east and west travelers are frequently stopped and asked to pay such tolls. I would love, I love for them to stop someone and like pay a toll, and the guy's like, "I'm actually, I was just turning around, I was going around a rock going east. I'm actually, I'm going north." <laughs> Which way are you going? You going west, north, south, east? We're going well pay up <laughs> like damn it we're going n- n- west south uh, which way doesn't need to be paid <laughs> The Emerald Enclave provides intelligent reports to King Rothmoral regarding activities of the humans as they pertain to his kingdom. While he cares little for the Enclave itself, he is happy to have such strong allies, and he does his best to provide them with useful information. Okay, I thought you said intelligent reports, and I was like, oh, good to know this Emerald Enclave guy is smart. (laughs) He's so smart. He provides really intelligent. He's got some good uh, grammar. In yeah, very good grammar. I like the fact that the Emerald Enclave kind of works with them, but at a distance. I think this would be an interesting, if you are part of the Emerald Enclave or had a party member, to be sent on a mission here to maybe the last advisor, the last kind of point of contact, or the current one isn't doing very good. So you're there to kind of butter them up or like get them on your side again. Yeah, that'd be cool. Nomadic Wemix. Exactly. Or... 12,000 is a lot to be moving around. It's a lot. Yeah, that'd be huge. Also, too, if you want to play a Wemix, you could have a Wemix who, through this Emerald Enclave uh, constituent, like, joined the Emerald Enclave or learned about the the wider world. You know, it'd be pretty easy to just play a centaur and uh, slap on some Wemix 
And just say it's a Wemix. There is Wemix in um, 3E Sourcebook I have. Of course, the stats don't line up anymore, like the, the play style, but there is... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but like, I think a centaur gets a stomp attack. Yeah. Just trade that for make take the exact stomp attack, give it slashing damage bam you're a Wemix. yeah no it's 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 cool though i like that they're kind of a conglomerate of people like a, a large group a traveling tribe <laughs> makes sense i think too like it's kind of like the writers of rohan when they're riding around like the main military force is kind of going around so you might come across them as you're traveling and just see this huge group you think is an army and like they come by and talk to you and see what you're doing and charge you if you're going east or west the Wemix follow Nibanyan, the god of lions. Nibanyan is a very standard nature deity. Don't kill more than you need. Strongest will survive. Try not to be good at evil. Don't be chaotic, etc. There's also a common festival for him every year, and any child born from sex during the festivities of this festival become a priest in Nibanyan. Wow. Yeah, apparently that's like, that's the way they get the clerics or priests. Can you imagine? You're just like, all I want to do is be a barbarian. Why do you, why do you have to give birth to me on that day? Not birth to you on day. Have sex on that day. They have to trace uh, back the nine, the nine right. months. Because, <laughs> yeah, it's a big party. But, yeah, right. I, it, through this, the Banyan, like, it's very similar tenets to the Thrykeen. Like, it's a pretty much the exact same thing. Yeah, like, I think true neutral is a good alignment for nature and nature gods because it's just like, yo, everything is just what it's supposed to be. Shut up. There's no good. There's no evil. There's just nature. But at the same time, like, yo, what is more chaotic than nature? Like, don't be chaotic. Be like nature. Nature's the most chaotic shit. Like, one second you're hanging out in this forest, like, symbiotic relationship, you know. I kill a rabbit and the bugs eat my poop. And then the bugs get eaten by the rabbits, whatever. Yeah. And then the next minute, oh, lightning bolt, forest gone. Like, okay, then. Yeah. Yeah, true. <laughs> Everyone died a fiery death. Yes, but it's not chaotic. Okay, then. What's your definition of chaotic, then? During the spell plague, uh, Nabanyan tried to save a pride of lions in Golthandor from oncoming blue fire. He came in contact with the blue fire and mutated him into a dark and bestial lion with a mane of blue flame. In this state, he was held in subjugation by Malar. In 1486-DR, he was tasked by Malar to capture Steed Whitehorn, the boy chosen of Lathander. But Steed and his companions healed him of his corruption by blue flame. He returned to his natural state, introduced himself to Steed and his companions, in his reinstated form he was no longer under Millar's control he guided the young chosen through the wilds of Golthandor they parted ways just before Steed and his company entered Termish we got Steed Steed's back <laughs> yeah sweet although I fucking heck you Whitehorn yo this lion is so much cooler with a mane of blue fire are you kidding me are you kidding me it's so much <laughs> yeah cool. like demon <laughs> demon lion no he's like no you must be healed I am stead very uh trials of Hercules though stead doing this yeah stead is a very Herculean I don't even know what stead did afterwards there's I, there's no real lore after what his big adventure but <laughs> The Golthmere Forest. The great northern forest of the Vilong is most known for its patron and protector, the Banyan, the lion god of Golthmere. It is known throughout the reach as the seat of power for the Druids. The only major city within Golthmere is that of Cedarspoke, the Druidic stronghold. This independent city is ruled by the undisputed word of the Grand Druid, Zalaznar Krenos. Cedarspoke also houses some of the most complex histories of the reach and surrounding lands. It has never been occupied by the invading force. While a druidic stronghold, Cedarspoke goes to great lengths to make it certain that it does not appear to be part of the Emerald Enclave. While Zalanar does not always agree with the activities of the Hierophants, where he realizes that to show open dissent would only serve to weaken the religion. Instead, he retains his neutral outlook, never commenting one way or the other on the Enclave activities i love that this guy's like i'm more neutral than you are yeah i love that it's a whole city of druids he'd feel like i, I wonder if the emerald enclave feels spurned they're like jaded about the fact that this whole city of druids are like no you can't party with us yeah i wonder if they feel uh slighted because we've we've talked about how the emerald enclave has done some things in these histories that seem a bit more than neutral but this guy's like no i'm the most neutral <laughs> i don't i don't like you but i won't even say anything yeah about right it. i also am curious about what a city of druids would look like like is it just like a grove of standing stones 
And they just like sleep on the grass or do they have actual <laughs> houses? I guess they can like meld into a tree when they need to go to sleep. That's it. They could like... Isn't that a spell? Meld into tree? Meld into tree. Uh, well, there's like the transport tree. You can like tra- teleport via trees. Yeah, but I, I feel like there's a druid version of meld into stone. I mean, if not... That's I trees. Think... That's pretty good. I think they get meld into stone too, so they could just meld into a boulder and go to sleep. <laughs> I think too, like there would be no metal in the whole city. Yeah, true. Well, that's a curious thing though, because they won't wear metal, but they still use sickles and uh, scimitars and stuff and daggers. And so it's like, are there are there sickles made of rock? Right, that's true. I don't know. The whole non-metal shtick hmm, is originally they were tied to fey. Like, they get their magic from fae spirits, and the original fae lived off, right. in D&D, lived off our real-life mm-hmm. lore of the fae, and so fae creatures didn't like cold iron. And so by the association, the druids refused iron, and that's where that whole won't-wear-metal thing comes right, from. Yeah. I mean, 5e has since disconnected druid magic from fey which makes the not wear metal thing kind of like i understand some people live by it it's a religion or whatever but at the same time it's but they use metal clasps and fucking sickles they're like it's fine you can use a metal weapon you just can't wear a metal breastplate like i don't get it they still have like belt buckles i don't also i think part of the reason they removed they get their magic from fey spirits is it's just like what if you're in an area of the world without fey spirits are the druids just fucked (laughs) right 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 also like druids are such a they are a part of history there are part of certain faiths that have mm-hmm. you know do believe in fairies or fae like creatures but i think it feels kind of reductive to make them only fae connected yeah i mean it was kind of fae nature spirits because i think you know back in the day fae and nature in like northern ireland and scotland and stuff where the druids were i guess even into france what was that place called the gauls yeah i don't know even all of those places had druids but i think the fey were pretty heavily connected to nature i don't know there might be metal there might not i'm just curious about what their city would look like (laughs) the cedar river flows through the heart of cedar spoke cutting the city neatly in two traders occasionally use the river as a means to deliver their goods to the city but most simply unload their goods at the city of star mantle and continue on their way those that live in cedar spoke are typically druids or folk looking for a simple way of life there's seldom any exciting events that occur in cedar spoke unless one considers the lectures of earth home college to be of their interest still the religious significance of cedar spoke draws a great deal of pilgrims each year and many adventurers seek knowledge contained in some of the dusty tomes at the college this travel has given rise to half a dozen inns ranging in comfort from the hoe a seating tavern near the lakefront to the silver scythe a high quality inn near the temple of Sylvanus. i love how they go unless you consider the lectures by the Earthmore college to be of particular interest yo I consider that to be of high particular interest. What? There's just a college here? <laughs> yeah, there's a college. There's, like, there's, a, there's a druid college, I guess. I love that. Okay, I love Cedar Spoke. Also, they're like, there's not much here, <laughs> except half a dozen inns. <laughs> yeah, like, not much goes on here. I guess maybe they're like, don't you dare put some sort of lich in here. But I like the idea of there being a college and a place like Trove of Knowledge. That's a really yeah. fun place to send your party to. Another thing I was thinking about that would be cool is just going off the no metal thing, because I feel like there would be metal especially if people are bringing if there's a whole college there and like we said they'll use sickles and they'll use scythes so they're not opposed to metal as long as they don't wear it which quick sidebar sorry i've been looking at druid stuff a lot this week um it's kind of bullshit that 5e in particular all the other editions have alternatives so they had hardwood dark wood and ironwood armors so that your druid who has proficiency in medium armor could wear something besides hide armor, which is just garbage. Yet in 5e, they were just like, no, there's no alternatives, no chitin armor for you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Going back to what we were just saying, but it would be cool to lean, even though I think there is metal, it'd be cool to lean into the no metal thing and maybe play like a woodworker from this city. And your whole shtick is, is it Japanese? You know that type of woodworking and architecture where you don't use any nails? That's Japanese, yeah. Yeah, you just carve them to fit perfectly on the joints Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. cool little character trait you come from a city where no nails have ever been used and you have proficiency in carpenter tools i think too like you're saying a character that's from here you could play a character that either is from here or went to the college here and got bored as i said sleepy town was like yeah i'm gonna learn the great knowledge of the druids and stuff you're like ah i just like 
yeah, I read about all this cool stuff that happened, but I want to live it. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. But I like that idea of this whole place being built with that uh, weird type Jornery. of carpentry. Yeah, yeah, the Japanese interlocking joinery. It's insane. I've looked up videos on YouTube of people making that. It's crazy. Yeah, that'd be a cool little character quirk, cool little city quirk. In the year of the banner, 1368 DR, the Fellowship of the Purple Staff established themselves within the forest and by 1372 DR had founded three small hamlets in its northeastern region. Although they originally resisted by the Nibanyites, who mistook actions as wanton slaughter of wildlife, the two groups formed a steady alliance. With the help of the fellowship, inhabitants of these settlements built roads to trade with nearby armory and tilpir, as well as subterranean dwarven miners. The fellowship of the Purple Staff is a very like manifest destiny type of group who saw it as their holy need or goal to establish settlements that were only in service of particular lords. However, it was a group of different gods, like there was some hound followers and Nubban knights and all that. Right. How yeah. weird. I love that these guys were just like, you're wanton slaughter of wildlife. And then the Fellowship of the Purple Staff were like, what? No. <laughs> no. And they're like, we oh, love- oops, sorry. <laughs> we're cool with God. Like, oh, sick. Yeah, come on. Let's hang out. <laughs> They're like, no, we were just doing regular hunting, and the Nabanya Knights are like, oh, shit, sorry. Shouldn't have made an assumption. Shouldn't have assumed. I'm sorry. You guys want to hang out? Also, I love, I know all dwarves are subterranean, but because there's so many yeah. Duergar in the country just next to it, I like to think that the Duergar and these... Mm-hmm purple staff ancestors or whatever are just like chill if a dwarf from termish ever comes into the, these cities they're just like seriously the duragar are friendly with you but not with us <laughs> seriously <laughs> these people didn't do anything mean to us they didn't say we weren't dwarves <laughs> yeah I'd, oh, that'd be so funny so that's it for the Shining Plains. Um, Lily, what kind of adventures would you run here that we haven't talked about yet? Okay, first aside, real quick. I love how it's like humans yeah. have like the god of death and the god of this and the god of that. And some of them aren't even necessarily human looking or they can take on whatever form they want. There's the god of the light side and the dark side of the moon and the god of poison. And then it's like, oh yeah, what about other people? Oh, well, snakes have the snake god. Lizards have the lizard god and lions <laughs> have the lion god. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, okay. Okay, fine. It's like, oh, you guys get your uh, chosen deity, and then humans, they get a platter. Yeah. Platter of, of, of gods. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> we have a buffet of gods. Nibanyan. I think Nibanyan is someone trying to put noble and lion together. Like the word? Oh, yeah, I could see that. Uh, Nibalian. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Savage Plane, probably. Uh, okay, if I was going to run something here, we already talked about those lizard folk crypts. Oh, that's what I'm gravitating towards. That's so cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Also, can we talk a second about the naming for this river? Wet River? <laughs> Wet River. What, what do you what do you, what should we call the river? Um yeah. It's wet. Wet river? Is that cool? It's kinda wet. It's kinda wet. Cool? It's, it's like we've got wet. like the sea of shining stars, the dragon mare, the deep wash, and then wet river. I mean, there's also the Snowflake Mountains nearby, so maybe one explorer, one cartographer was, like, really kind of dumb. <laughs> it's like, oh, uh, yeah, we got that guy who came through. <laughs> I don't know. It's wet. Either way, um, either something to do with those crypts, because that's cool as all heck. Yeah. Something to do with political tension between the between the Wemmick and Ormath and Leshale. You know, either Ormath, maybe Ormath is, uh, you know, on the warpath, and uh, Leshale and the Wemmick are having trouble forming an alliance. They hate each other, and so you've been, your party is tasked with closing the bridge between the Wemmick and Leshale, and the only way to beat Ormath is to get them to work together. Right. Especially if you had, like, an Emerald Enclave character, maybe the Emerald Enclave enclave are the ones asking you to do this Mm -hmm. that would be cool yeah, I think too. It's really cool how you have also the three Kreen are there. The three, they're they're there, and the centaurs are there? Question mark. <laughs> I like that you have Termish to the east. So if you are playing a more standard like Sword Coast adventure, which we've done before, like you and I have done before, if your players ever make it south enough, you could dangle this whole arc in front of them by having a merchant who is like, I need the trade route between here and Termish is having issues because there's unrest in the Shining Plains and so you just kind of dangle that out there you get a merchant to hire your party so if you want just kind of like 
a fun divergent storyline in an area of the world that is very different than a lot of the other like the other european-esque northern sort of coast you can kind of put this whole wild plains and lizard folk and everything right there yeah it'd be pretty cool yeah i really like that i also love the fact that there is for us talking about making a character based here i like that there's an option here to make something different like um leonin wemek uh wemek or um lizard folk uh from this area yeah also uh, this would be a good place to play a good grung right yeah because the grung from charlton stuff they're evil as all heck yet these ones there wasn't that much information about them but they seem to be pretty neutral they kind of just don't want people to come yeah they don't want people to get near them and they're not killing anybody yeah it'd be a good place to play a non-evil grung from yeah maybe you're going off to like help find help for the lizard folk problem or something (laughs) Um, but yeah no i think that's a really cool area also if you are some sort of like dragon lover but not you know cult of dragon amount of dragon lover maybe shrek is some place that you were gravitating towards the fire drakes um then i believe you're if you're playing like a drake warden um ranger it's a good place that you can come from yeah that would be cool but I think as we move through the map, we are going to realize that literally anywhere can be applicable for that. True, true. But maybe for the Drake Warden. Like we were just talking about Termish. Maybe for the Drake Warden, like the Drakes, Fire Drakes and stuff like that. Yeah. It's just it's just when you get into the lore, there's I so many think. freaking dragons everywhere. It's like, how do they sustain this? How is this <laughs> yeah. sustainable? It's very true. Like, hmm, I need a place where a dragon lover can be from. Literally anywhere, apparently. Very cool. Um, you can do a, you can do a death cleric uh, or like a, a death or a grave cleric from or math with the tower of skulls oh that'd be super cool yeah or even a death cleric from cirque right and your whole shtick was wandering around those things or yeah once again a drake warden would make a lot of sense personally though all of these ideas put out aside i don't think i would i don't like wemmick i think now that i know they Mm. exist i think they're dumb (laughs) (laughs) so i mean if i was gonna run a campaign here i would either ignore their existence or i would be like well we're brushing over the wemmick and going into either ormath for that metal as hell temple or the deep wing mountains because that's cool even the wetwoods i think swamps are cool grungs are kind of cool but wemmicks are dumb i'm sorry if this is a hot take but i would have them personally too i don't like wemmicks i don't like the way they look their design's not my favorite i would have leonin here uh, replace them and have leonins riding the plain steeds so play more of that like mounted combatant aspect of yeah leonin are all right i like leonin i think they're neat i play magic too so maybe that's like where i get more of a of a love for them but yeah i think that would be a really fun area and this centaur somewhere (laughs) thanks for the journey today keep the fire lit during your watch to ward away wild animals on our page at D&D Travelog, I'll be asking for adventures you or your past campaigns have gone through in the area we cover. This week we did The Shining Plains, so please tweet at us at D&D Travelog or hashtag The Shining Plains. Next week, we'll cover Earl Kazar and Sharuk, the City of Lizards. Thank you, Lily, for joining me. Yeah. Also, thank you for the amazing cover art. Yup. And Blood and Dust for the theme music, Around the Fire. You can find them on Bandcamp. Links in the description of the episode. Rate, review, subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. And have a great long rest. <laughs> <laughs>